My name is Jacob Stoops, and you're listening to the Page 2 Podcast, my podcast about the reality of being an SEO in which I chronicle the real-life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the industry. In today's episode of the Page 2 Podcast, we are doing a special edition crossover with some of my search discovery colleagues. Myself, Tim Wilson, and Michael Helbling of the Digital Analytics Power Hour podcast, as well as Noah Omri Levin, who runs the Digital Marketing Life podcast, decided to collaborate and share our experience with getting a podcast off the ground and making it somewhat successful. We talk about why you would even want to start a podcast, podcast branding, podcast format, and episode formats, how to pick the right music for your podcast, the equipment and software that we use, the ins and outs of various podcasting and syndication platforms, how to market your podcast, as well as challenges and advice. So get your popcorn and gear up for this maybe one-time-only crossover edition of the Page 2 Podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Jacob Stoops, and I am here. Uh, We actually today have a special episode. We have four total SDI uh, employees, all with our own podcasts, and we thought it would be a great idea to get together and actually, instead of talking about what we usually talk about, talk about the process of getting a podcast up off the ground. So today uh, we have Tim Wilson and Michael Helbling from the Digital Analytics Power Hour. How's it going, guys? Hi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. And and we've also got Noah Omri Levin from Digital Marketing Life. How's it going, Noah? What is that? And, of course, myself from the Page 2 podcast. So uh, before we get into kind of the the technical aspects of creating a podcast, I, I think the first question I would ask everybody is, why why would why would you even want to start a podcast and for people that may be kind of teetering on the edge of yes I'm going to do this or no maybe the first question you should ask yourself is why why are you doing this so I'm I want to open up the floor to you guys with that in mind I think the first question you should ask is am I intoxicated right now cuz this is <laughs> not a decision that should be made under the influence of alcohol it is or, afternoon so yeah <laughs> And it's Friday. Why even start a podcast? I think first you have to have some sense of dissatisfaction. <laughs> Why do you say that? Well, you because yeah, I think you, you've got to have something that you want to say. So, you know, let's spend 15 years in an industry, have a growing sense of like, there's something that needs to be said that I don't see getting said somewhere else. And then you're right on your way. I think you can do it differently. I'm just, you know, it, it's a little strange. I, I don't know, Tim, like we've talked about this where it's sort of like, why would anyone ever listen to our podcast? And then it's always surprising when you show up to someplace and somebody's like, I listen to your podcast. And you're like, oh, hey, great. And then, uh, struggle, and then struggle to say, 
not sound like why yeah <laughs> exactly like, why, why would you do that why would you do that you don't even know why we started one why would you listen to i'm not sure why i want to gaze at my navel why on earth would you want to gaze at my navel <laughs> yeah but it, the why comes from having something that we wanted to communicate in tim and i's case it was we wanted a forum to discuss ideas that felt informal and so that the podcast became that outlet and it was probably a mistake, honestly. Um, cause the initial idea was a blog and we thought a podcast would be less work. Uh, that was not true. So <laughs> that is what I'm finding out. Uh, no, why, why did you start your podcast? What was your angle? Yeah. So I spent a couple hours in a car with Michael Helbling actually, uh, on the way and to and from a client. Um, and I, I asked him about the impetus behind, uh, DAF, right? Like the digital analytics power hour and understand what kind of got them to do it. Um, and it, it, I had been looking for different ways to, um, for various reasons, put thought leadership out there, um, which I'll talk about in a second, actually, because it ended up being like why I keep doing it is very different than why I started it. But what originally I think I was unhappy with and didn't see out in the marketplace was I was teaching at General Assembly and constantly having folks who were either in digital careers but wanted to pivot slightly or not even in digital and wanted to get into it in the first place. Uh, and a lot of them, when they talk about digital marketing, didn't have a clear picture of what they wanted in entering that career pathway. They, um, a lot of the times were just like, I want to be a digital marketer. And I was like, well, a creative or do you, do you like writing? Do you want to be in data um, all day? Like, do you like spreadsheets? It was just really interesting to see how broad our industry really is when you talk about digital marketing and what that means. And how little? How many people, people when you said do you like spreadsheets actually said yes? That's it. Well, I you know I taught a couple. There's a data visualization class. There's a lot of folks actually, surprisingly, um, in other classes not so much. But yeah, I I hear that the uh, the interesting thing was though that they had no idea a lot of the time what they were talking about when they talked about digital marketing and what it actually looked like. So I wanted to interview people that were just doing, not the people who are at the top, not the CEOs of the world, the people who have made it in their career, but just normal everyday digital marketers to expose what that looks like. Uh, and that's been a really cool adventure. The, the one other thing I would say is that after doing it, the benefits of doing it in terms of networking, like one of the biggest benefits that is a reason I continue to do it is it's a great excuse to get in front of somebody I want to spend time with um, on behalf of search discovery or just on my own in terms of networking. If, when I say, Hey, could I interview for you for the podcast? It opens doors that I either would be uncomfortable having opened before or um, may not have had the clout to, to open beyond that for sure. Like the internal recognition that I've gotten at search discovery for doing it um, immediately after launching, I think our, our founder was like, wow, I'm really proud of you for putting yourself out there. This I was like, great. I'll do this as long as I need to. And, and I'm in the same boat where this, um, I, I feel like I'm not the most forward person when it comes to meet, meeting people. And this launching a podcast has given me a great excuse to, to reach out to 
um, really, uh, I wouldn't call them famous by any stretch, but personalities in the in the SEO space. And um, I've been surprised by how many have actually to this point said, yeah, I'll come on your your show. But for me, in terms of like why I did it, uh, one, I think you have to have a a bit of a creative itch that needs scratching. And for me, I had that, that creative itch. I, I needed an outlet outside of the constructs of, of typical work. Uh, just, just needed that, that life fulfillment. But then in terms of like, why, why outside of that would I create a podcast in the SEO space when there's already a bunch of podcasts in the SEO space? Like I really had to sit down and think about like, what am I going to bring to the table that is in any way unique because I feel like within SEO uh, and probably in other industries as well, but, but definitely in SEO, it seems like there's this race to the, to the, to the top to scream as loud as you can about how much you know and how much of an expert you are. And for me, that's like, that is so beside the, beside the point. And the thing that I'm more fascinated in is SEOs because like you can't really go to college to be an SEO really. Uh, at least not not in this day and age. Um, I'm more interested in where SEOs where SEOs come from, what their background origin stories are, um, and then we get into the knowledge sharing. But like I'm more interested in the the, the origin stories. And for me, I, I decided that's that's my unique angle. That's what's going to set my individual podcast apart from just your run of the mill SEO podcast. Gee, Michael, cool. I feel like maybe we should have uh, asked some of these questions a few years ago when we started. It sounds yeah. like uh, well, these guys are in a better position than we are. Yeah, no, I think, but, you know, I think we've had a little bit of a different experience in that we already have someone as famous as Tim Wilson on the podcast. <laughs> it's really hard for us to go out and find more famous people. Uh, oh, fuck so you. It's, uh, that's really our challenge. It's a little different. Um <laughs> Wow. Well, I mean, I really thought, I mean, Jake, you said you haven't had like SEO famous people, but I think you're doing a real service by giving, you know, like Rand Fishkin, the, that, that guy, yeah. someday he's going to go somewhere. He's got like, something to say and was, not enough nice people know who that is. In fairness, yeah. Rand, uh, I interviewed him at a previous job and it was close enough to my beginning of my employment at SDI that he was uh, nice enough to allow me to repurpose the audio. So it wasn't because he really just wanted to come and be the first guest on my podcast. It was really that I just <laughs> got lucky and you never know what you get uh, until you ask. So, and yeah, I was true. responded to my email to be honest. So this reminds me of when like a kid gets hurt and they have a scar on their arm and you tell them like, tell the shark bite story. Don't tell the real story. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it is, it is, I think definitely one thing that we learned is like having a podcast to your point, Noah, does give you instant access to people who are really willing to share their knowledge and come on and, and talk to you. And, and I think Tim, you would agree with me. Like we're constantly surprised that it's easy sometimes to get people to agree to do the show. Um, and we're like, oh, wow, we could get them as a guest? Wow. Like, that's, <laughs> it's sort of like, we're just constantly like, oh, my gosh, like, we should ask more people like that. Like, it's, we're always sort of like, we, I think you guys are very different in that. It sounds like you're actually thinking about this stuff. We <laughs> only started thinking about it after we realized, oh, crap, like, people listen to this. I think we have to keep going. So we should probably try to figure out some ways to make it better. 
but I think initially we had much lower expectations. I think. What do you think, Tim? Oh, I I'm built for low expectations, so uh, definitely. Uh, but I mean, similar to Noah, like it started. It's kind of bring those two together. It started kind of for one reason. We quickly realized that this is an opportunity for us to kind of hash out topics and to actually have some permission, although I still feel a little silly when it's, you know, it's like saying I have a podcast feels like saying I have a blog, you know, eight years ago. So, but as it's continued and we realized that, oh, if we're interested in something, we can kind of reach out to multiple people and say, that's really the person I'd like to have a conversation about. And the fact that we're hitting record and then trying to, you know, clean it up and make it a, a shareable product really is kind of a, a byproduct of it. Although recognizing if we said, Hey, would you like to just hop on for an hour long discussion with me? And it's never going to make it out into the world would maybe be a little bit of a tougher, tougher sell. Yeah, actually, on that note, it's funny. I was talking to Sangram Vajra over at uh, Terminus because he has like these dailies he's doing with Sweetfish Media, who's like a, a podcasting platform. Um, but he, he does daily podcasts. And I was like, you're insane for doing this. Why would you ever sign up for something like that? Like, I can't imagine keeping that up forever. Um, and really talking about the benefits that it's had for him. Uh, and and the KPIs of like, how does he even measure success? Something I, I took from that and a couple other interactions was like the, the, like my KPI, for example, is the testimonials, the stories I get from people that I've actually helped. Um, and it sort of like built a, a mini little community out of uh, the people that I know are listening. It's not a ton of people. Um, but it, it definitely is a more interactive group in that when they hear something that they like, they, they reach out, they send a note, um, and I get to hear the story of how it's helped. And that to me is, is a huge piece of like sort of building a mini movement around, uh, content that's going to actually help somebody. Um, it doesn't really matter at that point if it's thousands of people or if it's a hundred people, like I'm happy to have a hundred people on there listening each time and, and just go from there to improve their ability to be effective in their career. Yeah. And I, I will add on top of that. I, I will say like out of all of these podcasts, mine probably has the, the lowest audience, but the thing that I feel like in the industry that is very pervasive is the amount of self doubt uh, imposter syndrome. And that has come up no matter in almost every conversation, no matter who I talk to famous or not famous, that has come up. And I think the, the most fulfilling aspect so far of my podcast outside of being able to meet new people and have great conversations has been the idea that we can get that type of a, a serious topic out on the table and, and hopefully help other people realize they're, they're not alone, right? Even even the Tim Wilsons of the world probably experience uh, imposter syndrome from <laughs> from time to time. <laughs> Every 24, 24 hours a day. Yeah. Oh, good lord. So let me let me switch gears here. Um, branding. How did you guys figure out like how you wanted to brand your podcast? Mm. <laughs> You want to walk through the extensive market research brand yeah. testing we did? So yeah, there was a website. Uh, not a lot of people are familiar with it called Fiverr. 
And uh, they would put together as a guy on Fiverr who would put together a uh, logo for your Facebook page and for a podcast and their Twitter page. And so we paid that guy. I think we paid him like 15, 20 bucks. I don't remember. Yeah. We went for the higher end. I yeah. Mean, we we done it for five, but we're like, look, we want to do this right. We did the upscale package for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that was the initial branding for the podcast. It wasn't great. Actually, we could back up the initial naming of the Digital Analytics Power Hour was 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 a placeholder that Michael rattled off with just being like a joke. And we never really came up with anything better or different. So he kind of fought it all along saying, no, what are we really going to call it? So, so was there, just a question, was there any drinking involved like a, like a, a college power hour? It was yes. only later that I learned that that was what that related to. <laughs> I heard the phrase before, but oh, I actually yeah. know that that's what it was. No way. But it turns out that's that amazing. It, it works really well with the way the show came to be. And um, we do love to talk about analytics and we do like to drink while we talk about it. So making it a power hour uh, turns out that, you know, I have better instincts. Yeah, than yeah we, have, we have never actually tried to sustain it as a true power hour uh, uh, experiment that would be we have had we have had one guest who might have been because he was pretty hammered <laughs> by about three quarters of the way through and you can almost tell you don't have to listen too closely to to realize that but yeah yeah so there's our story our our brand <laughs> is like a good episode idea better be lucky than good uh cat- category there so so noah what yeah. about you how'd you come up with your digital marketing life brand yeah, so it's interesting because this is like a lot of this came from, you know, I was looking for different ways to have an outlet and I um, I was talking to Michael Albig, right? So like we were, we were in this car and talking through kind of what they did and what brought them success. And they were like three years in at that point, I think. Um, and so I, first of all, I got to learn a ton from all of the experiences they've had over the last three years. But also I, I specifically wanted to pick something and this is something I learned from my, my wife um, in, when she was building her business. Pick something that people who were in my audience could easily identify that this was for them and people who weren't could easily identify that it wasn't. So I ended up picking um, you know, passionate entrepreneurial digital marketers early in their career who were looking for some sort of guidance and clarity. Um, and I thought that that just just honed in enough, very specific enough that it could be an effective message. It would give me direction and clarity of what I was trying to accomplish with my message and keep it on point regardless of, you know, who I heard back from who is listening. Know that in my head, that's who I'm talking to uh, whenever I'm, I'm building a podcast or looking for the next um, interviewee, if you will. So the, the digital marketing life term, which blows my mind that I, I like looked for hashtags on it. Nobody was using this thing. And I was like, come on, that's the perfect name um, for for just covering what it's like to be in the space. So that just naturally uh, made sense as, as a brand. And I also like the color orange. So that's why everything's orange. Yeah, I haven't, haven't figured out my forward facing colors. I'm sure I'll, I'll change that quite a bit. But in terms of the page two podcast, I will say like my biggest goal was just in creating a name was don't sound like a douchebag. Like 
like don't 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 sound like just uh, a, a SEO snake oil salesman or something. <laughs> Words to live by. So, <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going for kind of like a hipster vibe, you know, like because very few users make it to page two of the search engine well, results. Well, I, I was driving around. Oh, and honestly, I, I I was trying to think like, what do I name this this thing that's going to be a thing? And um, gosh, I was just driving around, and then it just it just hit me. And I was like, you know what, that really page two, it just rolls off the tongue uh, quite nicely. And it's an SEO thing. And uh, I don't know, just from there, like when you know it, you know it. It's like, I guess when you name your kids and you kick around a bunch of names and then when you finally stumble upon the one you know, you just, you just know. Uh, so it really wasn't scientific at all. It, like you guys was definitely not based on market research. It was more based on trying to have something catchy without sound, sounding like a douche. So, and I apologize if anybody's getting the pinging. I cannot figure out exactly how to turn off Slack while we're recording. So there's just, <laughs> <laughs> I tried like 10 times and I cannot turn it off. So, we're all uh, slacking you. While we're recording. I'm going to show you how right now. Um, you see that search discovery at the top with your name under it and there's a little bell next to it? I really what does that bell mean? don't. <laughs> Anyways, let's, let's move on. Oh, man. People, audience, I'm sorry you're going to get a little bit of pinging unless you can just stop slacking me. Uh, <laughs> or, or only do it when you want to make a really important point. Right, right. Yeah, yeah this reminds me of a, of a client meeting we were in the other day, Noah, and I'm presenting and you're slacking me and I had, and in the middle I had to slack back, just stop it. <laughs> stop doing that. Um, we'll, we'll do a training session on this. Yeah. Right, right. Um, notifications. Format, right? Okay, so you've you've made the jump. You're 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 gonna you're gonna do a podcast, right? And you've made the commitment. You've you've maybe even named it. How do you how do you proceed then in terms of like okay, it's one thing to say you're gonna create a podcast. It's quite another to decide. Okay, episode one, go. What's the format? And there are a bunch of different formats you can use. You can do interviews, uh, solo monologues. You can have panels, co-hosts. There's any number of ways to go. So when 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 you're trying to like hit go for that first time, you've got there's a lot of planning that goes into it in terms of your style, the format of the episode, the flow, the segments. How did you guys figure yours out? I can I can say this is another overly planned and by overly planned, I mean, not planned at all that for the digital analytics power hour to me, it was, it's, it's been crystal clear in my mind. It's modeled explicitly after a handful of other podcasts that need none of the co-hosts even listen to. Uh, so we knew at the start of ours, it was, we knew it was going to be three of us having a discussion, having a, a guest was kind of our tagline I think is still with the occasional guest. And the reality is it's usually with a guest, but not always. Um, but in, to me, some of the podcasts that I just listen to every single week, like appointment listening are the style of three people who enjoy each other, have opinions, will banter, will debate. And we're like, well, that's kind of the discussion. That's kind of what we want because we talked about it being like a discussion at a lobby bar at a conference. 
So ours wasn't kind of a, do we do X or Y or Z? It was from the beginning. This is the, the vibe we're going for is an informal discussion of two or three people sitting around a bar talking shop. And then, so it just, that, that's what it was. Yeah. And it was a while before we had our first guest on. I don't know exactly which episode, but the initial one was, yeah, just us having discussions about topics and then later guests started coming into it. And now, like Tim said, it's pretty rare for us to do a show without a guest. I am. Um, it's interesting because I, I, as I was going through and listening to your podcast, I listened to a bunch of other ones um, that had just a bunch of different approaches. And I was also reading this book, How to Deliver a TED Talk to help. I was helping a, one of our team members with um, communication on client calls. So we were using this book of just talking through the structure of delivery of communication. Um, so I just kind of put it all together and it, one of the things I took from that book was, you know, I, I'm not every podcast is a TED talk, but it talked about the role that you're going to play when you're putting a message out there into the world. And um, it talked about being an educator versus an entertainer versus an interviewer versus a journalist and other ones uh, and how those things might be structured, how effective talks have been structured historically. And um, so I, I guess I took from there that I'm going to be a combination of an educator and interviewer um, and it's sort of following me along my life as well. So it's, you know, most of the podcast episodes are either me interviewing somebody, um, and trying to get information for the audience that would be helpful for them to take away. But then also, um, as I'm marketing for first year married for my wife's business for, um, search discovery and doing different things that I can share publicly, just really, there are some episodes that just kind of talk through that without an interviewer or interviewee um, that I think that helped me hone in on the structure where it was going to always be this like, you know, teaser and mission statement up front of what I'm trying to accomplish so people can hear very clearly why they're, why they should listen. And then the meat of it was that that content, the interview or the delivery of, of what I was talking about in the end was always a, you know, mini uh, recap so that if they didn't want to listen to the banter, they could just jump to the end and hear the, the highlights. Um, and I've tried to keep to that for the most part. So, so this was, I think, the one area in my preparation uh, for launching a podcast that I did the most research in, try, in terms of trying to figure out uh, what I wanted to do and what I thought was repeatable and what I thought was kind of the best fit for, for my personal style, I, I know that I tended to shy away from doing a, 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 a long monologue um, where, especially in the, in the SEO industry, which honestly would be in my, probably more either speaking about current updates or some component of teaching. And for me, that, that just did not feel like the, the mission that I was on in terms of, it's not that I don't want to share knowledge, but it's that I, I don't feel like I'm the most knowledgeable person in, in the room. So I just, I, it's something about that would have just felt a little bit false for me. So I, gosh, I did a lot of homework on the different, presumably you'd be recording in the room by yourself. So I'm, I think you might have a special breed of imposter syndrome. If you said, 
in a room by yourself, you don't feel like you're the most intelligent person in the room. That is a good point. That is That's, a good point. We gotta work on we gotta work on that. <laughs> that is a good point. I think uh, I think you've achieved you've managed to hit a new level of uh imposterness. Right, right. Um when I was looking, uh, you know, I think one of the people that stood out to me was Pat Pat Flynn and his smart passive uh, income. And he definitely does a does a different uh, a different thing, but he's got a great uh, podcast, and I definitely um, leverage those types of of information to figure out like what what do I want to do? And for me, it was it was interviews where uh, it takes a little bit of the pressure off of me. And, and don't get me wrong, there is a certain amount of pressure that comes with uh, running a podcast, keeping it up and going, and in pretending that you're that you're smart and you have something to say and for me the offloading of some of that pressure and and to someone else a guest uh was something that i i don't know i just thought would be really helpful for me and i've, I've even entertained the idea of having a, a co-host a la uh tim and tim and michael uh to to offload some of that pressure because i am really passionate but there's a lot of work to do and it's a lot of a lot of pressure but i found the interview format worked best for me. How'd you guys pick your music? <laughs> I, so for mine, there's Great actually, I, I don't know if you've seen this, but like wistia.com is a platform for video. Um, they had just a library of like really cute tunes that, that are great for background music. Um, and I found one that I really liked from there, but, um, in various different forms, I've, I've used the blueberry, one of the podcast hosting platforms has a great resource that they're constantly updating with different areas you can get, uh, like royalty free and free, free music, um, that it's an interesting space because, uh, somebody's maintaining this massive database of, of music and categorizing it for free for people. Uh, and so these sites are constantly going down and um, then new ones are popping up to serve that audience. Uh, so it's, it's a place where like I've gone to get a piece of music and then the next time I go back to get it, um, a new one, it's no longer the source. I have to find another link. But Blueberry does a really good job of providing that. Um, Blueberry so out of Columbus, Ohio. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> yeah, so, so for us, there's this one website not a lot of people are familiar with called Fiverr. <laughs> <laughs> so if you if you go on there, you can get people to write you little intro songs or whatever. We actually we tested a couple different ones. I remember at the very beginning, wasn't there like a little guitar intro that we got somebody paid? No, somebody that was make? well, that was me. That was me just as a placeholder. I did. Oh, um, okay, yeah. But then I think we did try a couple different ones. You did yeah. your own live, you did your own music recording? No, but that was just for our first episode. We, we said we weren't ever going to release it, so it didn't really matter. So it was kind yeah. of a, it was kind of a for placement only. Uh, yeah. Stick. Just for the record, Helming just said that you tested it. So I'd love to know which testing model no. you used. We used, we listened to it and was like, do we think that would be okay on the show? <laughs> and it was like, well, that sounds too sad. So let's go with something more upbeat. And so that was what we ended up with. And now when I listen to the show every time and the music comes on, I'm like, skip, skip. Yep. <laughs> like, God, that was, we probably could have afforded to put a little more time into yeah. 
It's, what if we had to listen to this 116 times? But you know what? Our intro host, uh, Jules, who is also from Fiverr, who's recorded <laughs> now three or four different intros and outros for the show. She's been with us since the beginning. She's amazing. She's, she's due to do another one. So that's yeah, going to be out another 20 bucks. Uh, exactly. Plug for Jules on Fiverr. That's right. Crown Jules. She can do British and Scottish accents. Or some kind of weird hybrid. Or, yeah. It, it kind of in between people are like, did her accent just change? <laughs> yeah. I think, so. I think it did. <laughs> anyway, what are you going to do? What about you guys? I copied Noah. Yeah, you used Wistia? No, actually, I just copied your uh, your intro. So for people that don't know, basically kind of a generic format for a podcast is you you have an intro with some catchy music, maybe you have an opening monologue, and then in my case, it's guest interview followed by outro, uh, outro music and kind of the, the end. Um, and interspersed in between, and I kind of did away with this, was kind of the bumpers, kind of like radio. Uh, segments where I would use to break up the components of the discussion. And so like for my first five episodes, I had a a, a very, a a very precise script format segments. And then I just decided like, I don't like that sounds awful. And I will say my my music um, for my first couple of episodes. So for those that have listened and or, or those that don't know me, I'm big into like mob movies. So I tried to pick something that spoke to that. But then like after about five episodes, I was like, what am I 90 years old? Uh, the people that are listening to this are not going to <laughs> appreciate it. So I, I went ahead and made the, the switch and in looking at um, the switch in music and in, for my intro and outro uh, component of the, of the each episode, um, I listened to a bunch and no, I liked your intro so much that I decided to replicate it just with my own own music and I will say uh, for anybody that's trying to pick music I think it's very important you should read up on copyright law I um, especially for my first five episodes probably violated fair use look up fair use so that you don't get sued later on but I will say I ended up utilizing YouTube's free audio library and it was freaking awesome and they've got a huge repository of free audio that you can use but no I, I don't know no, I like, well, what did you? Yeah, so I ended up using that Westia, Westia, um, I forget what it's called, but one of theirs and, and using that quite a bit. And then there's also a free music library online that I got a link from Blueberry. Um, and I've, I've t- taken some of their stuff for my non-typical podcasts and use that as the, the intros um, that was just like a, a more appropriate, upbeat, tune um for for certain contexts and that's been a major piece of it but i i can't i do think it's a it's a major aspect of what makes a podcast sound professional if you don't have that music in the background um it's it's the thing that whenever i i listen to a lot of podcasts and whenever i hear one that just doesn't have music you you get this feeling that it's just not as high quality as a simple one that just added a tiny bit of background music to the front and back of the episode, uh, how big of a difference that makes. I, I, given audio, there's not so many variables. I think that's one that, that's a major important one to not only have music, but also music that kind of sets the tone for the style of, you know, the, the mood that you want somebody to be in. Um, 
as funny as that sounds. <laughs> Equipment. Uh, Sam, at this point, you were going to mention like three or four podcasts that you listen to that don't have music that are very popular. No, I think, oh, okay. I think they all. I think they all. They all have music, and it's always interesting with the ones when they actually change their. Um, Oh, when they change it? When they change it and they kind of make a make a big deal. Although, I don't know, well, Break, Breakmaster Cylinder for Reply All, that stuff is unlistenable. They always put his stuff at the very, very end. Uh, and it is just weird. I mean, Radiolab doesn't have a song per se, but they do have like noises. Yeah, well, they got a whole little little cut. Wait, wait. Uh, yep, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I love they, at the end of your episodes with the all the – Take out the blooper reel. It's the best part of the show. <laughs> that that is produced very well, and it, I, that to me, it like builds the culture of what. It's, it's how we maintain our edge because Michael never knows exactly what's going to make the cut, and there, you know, it's because he's always a little nervous. Uh, uh, the best part is a lot of times, especially early on, we wouldn't realize that we'd already started recording. And then there'd be like some real gems in there that we could select from. Uh, so that's always fun. So speaking of recording, what, what kind of equipment do you guys use? I mean, there, there, there is a, a bit of a plethora of things that you kind of have to do to get up and, and off the ground, ranging from your sound recording to the actual editing component of this. What's, uh, what's your go-to equipment? Why don't you start? What's your go-to equipment, Jake? Oh, and it's because you know that I have a list of equipment literally up in a Word doc. So my mic, and I'm a, a I think I, I think I went a little bit on the expensive, and I have a Blue Yeti microphone, uh, but that's only because I, I had a little bit of experience with the Blue Yeti at the um, the place I worked before Search Discovery, and I really liked the um, the style and the quality. Um, and I got uh, a specific bundle through Amazon uh, that you can get for, and, and again, this is probably the, the big ticket item, $227, uh, but that was a Blue Yeti mic plus headphones, uh, uh, really nice set of, set of headphones, but I, in, in uh, what folks can't necessarily see is I've also uh, utilized a, a shock mount to hang the mic. Uh, some people have it directly. I, I feel like I feel like you just you just omitted the lead. What folks can't see is that you're not wearing headphones right now. <laughs> I, well, yes, I was going to mention that, so I did probably waste a little bit of a little bit of money. But I, I don't know. I just found it a little bit weird, and I, and I rarely actually use the headphones, so I definitely uh, probably wasted uh, a little bit of money. Um, but then I I. Um, I use the, there's a, a swivel arm of a, kind of a boom arm that connects to the shock mount where my uh, Blue Yeti microphone hangs down. And then I've got a, a pop filter so that people can't hear my peas. Uh, and then for editing, uh, Audacity. Audacity is really awesome and it's free. Uh, and then I use, I'm a little bit different in that eventually I would love to have uh, some of this go to video and on YouTube. So I utilize a program called Wondershare Filmora, um, which is a, a video editing program. I know and I use Audacity and Wondershare kind of in combination and Wondershare. Uh, if you're interested in eventually taking your podcast to a video format, uh, they offer a $60 lifetime deal where you just get it. And it's, it's uh, a really 
uh, pretty cool video editing uh, program. Um, but that's that's kind of what I I use. So there is a little bit of to, uh, a cost associated with getting uh, getting up and running and getting the right equipment. But what do you guys use? Yeah, well, I I think uh, what I've done on equipment. Um, I started with a Samson Q2U, which is like, I think half the cost of a Yeti, about 50 to 60 bucks on Amazon. Um, and I have an ATR 2100 also because um, my, you know, between my wife and I were recording two podcasts. So we often want to have one that we take on the road with us. Um, but what I've also done, I, I have like a, a couple of different lav mics, really cheap ones that I got online um, that just had great reviews because I'm not always recording the podcast in an office or in a space where I can, I can bring a, and set up a microphone. There's been a couple of live events that I've recorded um, as well. And what I've found is particularly when it's not a setup that I know is really going to work, I'll actually set up two different ways of recording. And that saved me twice now where one failed for whatever reason that I hadn't predicted and the other one picked up the audio. Um, so, that that was one thing about the equipment that I found really important that if you only have one kind of way of recording and you sit down and you finally get in front of a person you want to interview and something goes wrong, having a backup is, is really important. Um, beyond that, I, I upgraded recently to having one of these um, suspension arms that I think has really helped because I'm super fidgety. So like tapping the desk or playing with pens and whatnot and having it not pick up all of that movement is is huge because that is super annoying to edit out. Um, but other than that, you know, that's pretty much all I've, I've used. And I, I typically connect straight into my computer um, whenever I'm recording or into a phone. Now, the one thing that's really important that I've found is that if you want to connect into a phone, you need a splitter in some computers too. Um, you need to split the audio and mic. So if you don't have that little dongle or whatever they call it, that I have two of those because one of them broke and I needed to have a backup. Um, but then in terms of editing, I started with Audacity. I love Audacity. It's great. I did upgrade because I, because teaching at General Assembly, I got a cheap uh, Adobe subscription. Um, so I upgraded to Audition and I, I just like the UI of that a little bit better. Um, but I think they're both very similar and I highly recommend Audacity. Yeah. So I use a blue Yeti bike and then I've got a little travel mic that I can take on the road. Although I use it less and less because the quality is not that great. So a lot of times I just throw my Yeti in my suitcase and take that with me, but I'm getting annoyed by it. So I think I need to look for something else. And then Tim can tell you what we really do, but we used to in shows that I would edit, I would use audacity, but I believe we'd use a garage band. Is that right, Tim? Something yeah, well, it's kind of a two-step because we do. I do a rough edit with GarageBand and then send the individual tracks off to our editor. And I think he uses Pro Tools or or something. So, because I I do think that's a pretty critical thing is to get the. I mean, definitely listening to podcasts where a guest is often expected that the the audio will be will be lesser uh, quality, but. You know, we use a we use a software platform called Zencaster where every track gets recorded independently and locally. So we don't have any kind of bandwidth constraints. It's still not perfect. I'm sure that's all kind of evolving, but 
Yeah, I've got my Blue Yeti mounted on a mounted on an arm um, that I use at home, but then have also have a Audio Technica ATR twenty one hundred that we we can travel with. And the benefit of that is it's it's shaped such that we can put the little we have a little block we can slip on it that has the digital analytics power hour logo like we're uh you know news seven uh or something so uh just to kind of be a little bit goofy so it's a mix and we feel like we're constantly looking for ways to uh improve like my my office where I usually record had carpet and then that got replaced with hardwood flooring and um a little bothered by that, but our audio quality is not so good that that makes a totally noticeable difference. Yeah. I've got a box of foam pads somewhere in my house that I'm waiting to put up on my walls when I finally figure out where my office is going to be long-term. So yeah, it, it's this never ending quest really. Like you're always unhappy in some way with how it's turning out. So you're always looking for like a little tweak here or there to improve. And, and I will say uh, one thing I forgot to mention with the, with doing interviews and obviously I'm sitting in my office and in, in some cases I'm interviewing people here in the U S but in other cases I've interviewed somebody in Australia, the Ukraine uh, and I, I use zoom and I do the recording and get the audio through that. But I have, if they're having internet issues, I have experienced some not so great effects of uh, bandwidth and internet impacting my, audio quality. So uh, if you're interviewing people all over the world, I would highly recommend uh, maybe not using Zoom. And that's something that I'm uh, looking to, to change from. That's been a pain point for me. Well, and our, our third co-host is is in Australia. So we're pretty much 100% of the time dealing across those two continents. Uh, but And we have actually tried, and it's kind of to Noah's redundancy, uh, having especially the guests because they're always kind of the wild card but say you know what turn on the the audio memo on your 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 iphone or your your whatever your smartphone is and just just record that track as well uh, so we've got a fallback but um like we have all we now have a process where we start we record i record while people are just chatting for like a minute and then pop over or listen to each one of those tracks to see if uh any of them have an issue. So, you know, that's, it's adding, it adds to the process. It's, it's saved us a couple of times. It hasn't saved us a couple of other times. Yeah. One, one thing I, that's happened to me a lot is it's not even the audio quality, but um, it's the, the, the web connection that you were talking to Jake. Um, I had somebody who is go, who's calling through Wi-Fi and it was like, Siri must be somebody who likes to pace because he kept walking all over the place and losing connection. And he'd be like, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's the one nice thing about Zencaster that we use is that it does record their audio track locally. I don't know if you already said that, Tim, but yeah, that's, that, that gets us around some of those bandwidth issues. So, all right. So you've, you've, you've bought the equipment. You've, you've recorded your first episode the big question is, all right, well, what the hell do you do with it? How do you get the word out? How do you actually have a, a podcast that's not on your local machine? And I, I think that kind of the next topic I wanted to, to broach was platforms. And I, I break that platforms down into kind of three main things, the actual hosting, 
the distribution, uh, getting it into all of the places where people can actually listen to it, and the um, translation a- aspect of it, which is becoming more and more and more important. And if you're in the SEO space, you know breaking, I believe just yesterday, Google is starting to actually index and understand podcast audio. So like for SEOs, we're all you know, getting uh, super, super, super happy or like sugar highs off of, off of that. Um, but what platforms do you guys use to host your podcast? Well, I'll say for analysts that you, you guys can get excited about text to speech. Analysts get frustrated because uh, podcast measurement is so freaking shitty because it's RSS under the core. It's really Spotify has thrown a bit of a wrinkle into it. I mean, we've done a couple of episodes on podcast measurement uh, because of that. But well, our host is is Libsyn, which we did a little bit of research. Uh, good enough for WTF with Mark Marin. Good enough for us. Kind of kind of met our needs, had, had decent reviews. I don't think we spent a ton of time, uh, researching it. It just, it was, it was legit. It showed up in some of the reviews and, and we've been, we've been quite happy with them for a pretty reasonable, reasonable price. Yeah. I, I've been using anchor, um, because it's free and it syndicates everything out to a lot of different uh, platforms really easily. Um, and I haven't seen a, a big downside to it other than the fact that like the, the, the actual website that they give your podcast is a bit pretty basic. Um, but other than that, it's been great. Um, in terms of it gives you an embed code, it gives you a bunch of different options that are, uh, pretty awesome. And it gets you on Google podcasts, gets you on Apple, gets you on, um, even Spotify, uh, and some of the other, smaller platforms that lots of Android users are using. But I do see that the vast majority, as you said, like there's very little we get in uh, data back. Uh, and I have listened to at least one of those episodes because it was <laughs> fascinating um, that you did. But I, what I've found um, to be helpful is I, I do see a vast majority of people are on iOS devices. Um, even when you take into account the fragmentation across Android, uh, it seems like there's a lot more podcast listenership, at least for my podcast and the ones that I work on uh, that are in the Apple, you know, on an Apple device. Well, if you wanted to pay a nominal fee and switch to Libsyn, you could also get a shitty default website out of the box. So you wouldn't lose, you wouldn't lose that by spending some money. There's a fear in the space, actually. Like I'm in a bunch of podcast groups online. There's this like, so Spotify just bought anchor recently and um there's a huge fear that like according to the privacy of your podcast um terms and conditions that technically they might have ownership over parts of of the podcast or something like that um so there there is talk about that in the space but i I don't know i can't imagine that they're gonna go land grabbing people's podcasts away from them um but that, that was the only downside is everybody says that there's a cost to being free. I haven't really seen anything being a problem, but I have heard that folks are a little bit wary of, of some of the free platforms that are out there. And Noah, I've used Anchor as well. And uh, when, when in doubt, just copy what Noah does, which is uh, basically what I've done is I've set my... I don't know if I agree with that plan. <laughs> Yeah, and, and uh, the free aspect of it is is awesome. But what I what I do like about Anchor is that they have a little bit of monetization uh, to it, where um, 
basically once you get your podcast up and running, they will suggest uh, uh, sponsors for your episodes and allow you within right within the the anchor tool to cut uh, promos for for those sponsors or to upload your own promo if you want to cut it locally. Um, but I've I've thought that that's pretty pretty awesome. Uh, not something that I expected. The analytics are incredibly basic, but the user uh, kind of the functionality and user experiences is really good and, and makes the barrier to entry very low. But I will say one of the things that I've been a little less happy about with Anchor is kind of the forward-facing website uh, and um, the social sharing output uh, when it comes to like, hey, I know that a lot of uh, my fellow SEOs are on Twitter and when I, when, when I share an episode of my podcast, I'm just... I. I'm, I'm not impressed with the output in terms of uh, the lack of ability to listen directly on Twitter, directly on some of these other platforms, whereas like a Simplecast, for example, which is a premium platform, uh, uh, they, I believe they have this feature called Recast where you can take a, uh, a, a particular slice of your audio and play like a minute uh, of your interview or of your episode directly within Twitter. They don't have to go to another website uh, and I believe Megaphone. So there's a couple of that I'm a premium option. So I'm, I'm considering switching off of Anchor, although it's free and it is awesome for a free tool. Looking at Transistor, Simplecast, Megaphone, and Buzzsprout. And of course, they do cost money. Um, but I, I do like the way that they display in, in some cases in, uh, within social, which for me is a big, uh, big area where I think I get most of my listens. Um, I think it's just a, a better experience where you don't have to go into the terrible anchor website or go into my own personal personal website. You can just listen right there on the spot. So that's one thing uh, to consider as you're picking a platform as well. So how did you guys start growing your audience? Well, because um, I've gotten a lot of different experiences of folks. Somebody was on Anchor and supposedly you can record right to Anchor, which is one of the cool pieces of the app. But if you lose audio or you lose Wi-Fi when it's uploading your audio, it will actually delete that audio because it's not saved locally to the device. So that's one really big downside to Anchor that they still haven't worked out, but I think they're working on it because they're very well aware. I, I like to chat with their developers. Um, I don't know if they'll be as responsive as they used to be because they've gotten huge now. But then the other piece, um, you, the there's a tool called Wave that's also very inexpensive online. So if you're looking at cost um, in terms of sharing things out, you can actually take a minute of the audio and throw it in there um, and make a really cool visual that has those waveforms in it um, that I've seen a lot of podcasters using out there. And then the third thing you mentioned about monetization um, a lot of folks, it seems like, are, are starting a podcast looking to make a ton of money in, in advertising um, and just having that background. The thing I would caution people is that, you know, you, you can make anywhere from 10 to $75 per thousand downloads of an episode. And $75 is what like Malcolm Gladwell makes on his, on his uh, podcast. And he probably doesn't even get that much of the cut, but that's the, the total cost of buying a thousand 
listens in the advertising space and ten dollars is probably what most of us would get um but you're talking per thousand downloads or a thousand listens if like plays if you will and that if you start to do the math um requires a pretty significant size audience to make a substantial amount of money um or at least a frequency of, of podcasting so just something to do the math on if if you're doing podcasting for that reason it's a very different uh, approach and, and plan that you'll have to take then if you're doing it for other purposes and getting other, well, other benefits. Well, but that, oh, go ahead, Michael. I was just going to be like, Tim, we can be making some money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's, I can't that's, retire that's, on my $9 that I've made from anchor. <laughs> I mean, that's going through the, that's going kind of the ad network route when you, and you talk Malcolm Gladwell or Freakonomics or something where they're saying we're reaching the masses and there's the scale the the reality is I think there are podcasts that can get a fairly, you know, nominal following, uh, but that have a very, very targeted audience. You know, that's, 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 we have been like, we've been approached if, and when we ever decide to go with sponsors, we've had various reasons that, that we, that's not a, a necessity, but we, we sort of see that as being, well, our target audience is, is very, very specific. And, it would probably be much more of kind of a, of a direct buy. That's a hundred percent true. And I, I, that's a great point because you're right. People, if you have honed in and that's uh, a reason to be very niche, if you've honed in a really great quality audience that, that totally changes the game. Hey uh, guys, I'm going to need to drop. So I'm going to go uh, teach a class at general assembly on digital advertising. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm just sounding like an asshole. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I actually direct buy was probably a term I didn't even really know two years ago. So I'll probably actually learn that from Noah at some point uh, since I joined search discovery. So, uh, but yeah, being yeah, an ass, <clears throat> it's part of, at part least of you guys show. have peppered in, you know, made this an explicit podcast like your own. Yeah. I forgot to ask for guidelines on that, but <laughs> you know, somebody else will fix it in post if it needs to be a, uh, I remember yeah, just go through and bleep him. I remember you saying you're the only explicit analytics podcast out there. I was like, that, that is. I don't know. We're the best. We're the top uh, rated. We're the top rated. Highest audience. Yeah. Other people try to copy that, but the explicitness of our explicit podcast, I mean, that's really, that's our, that's our thing. Yeah. Explicitly explicit. I hear. We just felt so cool seeing that little E next to our post on iTunes. We were just like, we got to keep that going. We didn't even have to pay anybody at Fiverr to design the E. Yeah. It just goes up and it's we check a box. Yeah. It's just like M&M. You're like, exactly. like when you bought a CD it's like, in the 90s, rental <laughs> advisory. I, yeah. Like uh, Tipper Gore would be like pretty against our podcast is what I'm saying. Oh, man. <laughs> So, we, take, we take the audience hit. I think she tried to give it a listen at one point and she was like, nope. So since you guys are pulling the Tipper Gores of the world, tell me, how did you grow your audience to include the Tipper Gores of the world? I don't got Tipper Gore listening to my podcast. I don't. <laughs> well, you know, so our formula is actually pretty considered. We started the podcast and then we just kept going. And I think we, we knew one principle, which was from the world of blogging, which is to grow your audience over in blogging, you have to have a consistent uh, set of releases. And so we, um, we committed to that and, and more, I mean, Tim forced us to commit to that right out of the gate. 
<laughs> and we've held to it. Every other Tuesday, we release an episode, Come Hell or High Water. And so our audience knows when that episode is. And, that, and that's huge to building an audience. Consistency, consistency, consistency. You can use every social media trick in the book, but consistency is what will grow your audience and is the way you want to grow it because that, that audience will stick with you as well. We did a little Facebook advertising once, and that was out of curiosity, and apparently there are oh a lot gosh. of uh, grandmothers in Ukraine, that, man. We, we, I did, so we created like <laughs> some targeted Facebook ads to people who were interested in data and analytics and, entrepre- I think, digital marketing or something. It was a pretty, but the likes that we got back were invariably from, um, like grandmothers. Yeah. <laughs> like so weird. <laughs> they were just proud of you. Yeah. We we're like, I, this is, I just wanted to tell you, you're doing a good job. Yeah. yeah. No, we'll take it. I, I can speak, speaking to the consistency piece, because I cannot say enough how I, there are over the past few months, we're about to move overseas. So I haven't been able to keep up the consistency that I had at the beginning. I've shifted from a, every other week to every four weeks. Um, and that really did take a hit and you can see it very clearly that not having, uh, content there when your audience is looking for it, they definitely forget about you faster. Um, and I, I think that's one piece I know, um, where some of that time's gone is uh, with my, my wife's podcast, we have done very targeted marketing to the niche and Facebook's been a huge help. Um, and not only just letting people know because you can link straight to the podcast and have them listen and that worked really well but we also shifted over to using lead ads to actually collect um, subscription within MailChimp so that we could email every time a podcast does go out on every Monday um, to remind people to listen to it and that helped significantly um, because that machine kind of feeds itself and that way if somebody doesn't listen for a couple weeks um, they're consistently getting hit a reminder, even if it's not on their podcast app, that there is a, a new episode for them to listen to. So I've I've seen that help quite a bit. Do, that, do you guys that, find that there's a lot of like uh, latency or uh, that people go back and listen to your old episodes or that there's a short life cycle where people are only listening to the new episode and not necessarily going back through the larger library like it, it's both. I and mean, we see, we definitely get a, a really big spike on the first one to two days after it rolls out. But yeah, I real think, big, real big. I think still episode one, just over the course of time, it's, it has the most, it doesn't go straight for just the longest one's been out, the more that it's got. But we've also gotten feedback from listeners, not so much now that we're, you know, well over a hundred episodes, but it, it used to be they would say, oh, I just found you and I've gone back and listened to every episode, which again evokes the response of, oh my God, what are you thinking? Um, so it's, it's a mix and because we do, we, we do have all of ours transcribed. So I think we, we get a little bit of kind of long tail uh, love. So people will occasionally find some, you know, not the current episode based on some topic and then, and then they'll kind of, uh, you know, jump on board. But we've also been on the promotion front. We've been really, really conservative about not starting something that we don't think we can sustain. Um, 
doesn't mean we've always sustained everything we started, but like we, we went for a while and we said, let's actually make our Twitter account uh, be more than just a, hey, we rolled out a new episode and we're responding to who, who came up. So we went for about a year and we're a little bit more active on Twitter. Definitely saw the benefit of it. Um, our social media manager got a little, a little busy. So that's, that's kind of fallen off. But when it comes to like an, an email newsletter, we've talked about it and we're like, man, that's, that would be, it would be that's, great. That's signing out. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be awesome. But we do not want to roll something out that then we can't, uh, can't sustain. Yeah. And just in terms of that, I, I do think it can be very minimal and just announcing there, there is like a ridiculously easy email uh, app that MailChimp has. And a couple other platforms do too, where you can literally on your phone just type something up that's like a small small paragraph and link out, and you're done. And it makes it look pretty um, because that that's been. I do think that's huge. It's also building up the the first party data. There's so many different reasons to have that uh, long term. <laughs> and well, no, that's, that's the other thing is we actually we did pixel the site with the thought of that we do retargeting at some point. And I think we had that up for like a year. And at one point, Michael was in the site and he was like, "Who the hell put these?" pixels on here. I was like, well, you know, that was recommended that we might want to build a retargeting pool. And he was like, because we actually, it was there probably for a year and change and we never actually acted on it. So I was on a little privacy jag. So, you know, just getting rid of those remarketing pixels. How you got to hate on remarketing? Um, done in context. No, I think it's great, but you got to know your marketer. Yeah, somebody who really understands that digital marketing life. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, I will say uh, something I've been entertaining is the idea because social, like in 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 the SEO space, I don't know if it's the same in like paid and uh, in kind of the analytics space. Like, I don't know how some of the SEOs that I see on Twitter get any actual work done. It's almost like they they commit all day to just tweeting about SEO. And I'm just like, I can't possibly maintain that, let alone promoting a podcast on top of that. So one of the things I've been looking at to try to get people to um, consistently listen to, to new episodes as well as surface back up old episodes is CoSchedule has a nice evergreen feature where you can uh, set up uh, a, a tweet uh, or, or a Facebook post or so on and so forth. It's mostly beneficial for Twitter because of the short life cycle uh, where it is evergreen and it will help you automate uh, a component of that social sharing and uh, share out that content regularly uh, without you having to provide a lot of effort. And for me as kind of the one, one man show in terms of doing all of the aspects, I'm, I'm looking for efficiency. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll say like Leah, Leah Pika, like she is always, she actually has stuff running where she tweets out old shows. Like we've never, outside of responding to something very topical where somebody's talking about it, and it's like, oh, hey, we did a show on that and here's a link to it. And I'm pretty sure that's a good idea to not say like once we're done with it, it's done and we could and should be tweeting it out. But I think there's there's a degree of where it's not so much of our goal to necessarily have explosive growth that we start heading down that path. And we're like, is this where we want to spend our energy or do we just want our little community that we've got and keep making our little show? Well, one of the benefits of doing interview podcasts is that if you just post the podcast to social and tag the person that's being interviewed, 
um, or mention in past podcasts and tag that person. Really the way that, especially in LinkedIn right now, um, the, their algorithms kind of benefiting people who get interactivity between other folks in the industry and it'll continue to go out to the audiences that they share. Um, and I've found that to be tremendously helpful in that um, if it was just me talking and posting it, I don't think I'd have as much reach as when I talk and post it and then tag the person that I'm talking to and then they like it and then all of a sudden their network starts to see the stuff that they've liked. Which, which is why we got pretty excited that we landed Tipper Gore because we're pretty sure once uh, <laughs> once that episode drops, uh, it's going to be big, amazing. It's going to be, be big. Yeah, social media influencer. That, <laughs> well, so that's that's why I just tagged Tim Wilson on all of my stuff, and then yeah. you know, you then go. I'm good. When you've got the quintessential analyst on the oh, podcast, you know I, come Are we on. done yet? Amplification. <laughs> That's right. So, so surprisingly, my uh, Rand Fishkin episode is is by far not my most listened to episode, and that's probably because Rand has not himself amplified <laughs> amplified it. You just t- you should send out every other day just a tweet saying, "Hey, have you heard my Rand Fishkin episode?" and tag hey, him. Rand, Rand, retweet this for me. But but mention that it's not the top episode, and then it'll just be highly embarrassing. Right. So, want to round this out. Um, we've had, I feel like a, a pretty great discussion. So I'm hoping that anybody listening to this is at least getting some value or, or leaning in one way or the other, like, Oh shit, this is a lot of work. I'm not going to do this or, Oh, I think I can handle this. I'm God, Michael, he tries to deliver value to his, right, right. His audience. <laughs> There's, I'm writing just, it down. I'm writing Okay, it that's down. good. Yeah. We'll put it into our 2020 planning for consideration. You need to ask Tim Wilson his opinion of if somebody should start a podcast. I think that needs to get in here. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, challenges. Should you start a podcast? What challenges have you run into? What advice would you give? And maybe your advice is don't, don't fucking start a podcast. <laughs> Go. Challenge uh, advice. Oh my God. Throw your wisdom upon us, Tim. I don't know. I mean, I, I obviously I'm tongue in cheek. I'm glad we've done it, but I mean, it goes back to kind of how Noah framed it from the, I get a, I get a ton of value. I get the bulk of the value. I think personally out of the podcast before an episode actually goes out. Cause I actually do really enjoy talking about this stuff as anyone who has ever gotten me started talking about something analytics related. So I, I think that's being clear that it's pretty much got to be a labor of love and you've got to be recognizing that it's whatever, how much work you think it's going to be, you know, triple it and you'll be getting, you'll be about halfway there. Um, you know, so, so if that, if I can't scare you off, then maybe you actually should, should do it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. That, that was, that was not snappy or concise or witty. I'd say, you know, do it, but don't do it because you want to get rich or you want to become famous or you want something, just do it because you have something to say. It, just do it because it's something you want to do. Make it about, make it yourself. I mean, the best podcasters are ones who are able to be themselves and have something unique to share. And then the work they do behind that is, is great work. 
But if you're going to start with like, well, you know, if I can get my listeners up to this or don't be a YouTuber, just (laughs) like go do a podcast if you want to say something to people, but don't try to like do it because you want to like make money or be famous or something. Just let, let that come if it's going to come. But if you're going to start one, go for it. Yeah. I think coming back to kind of what we said earlier is that um, it is a ton of work. It's also something that you don't get the benefits if you don't keep it up for forever and consistently. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot harder to do if you don't, don't have that. Um, but a hundred percent, I think one of the biggest questions I hear is why, why should I start this? Somebody's already talking about it. And um, although you might have a lot of podcasts out there that are talking about similar topics. I think when a person really does hone in on something they're passionate about uh, and they, they feel like they can highlight um, in a different way, it, it can be a very similar topic, but it could speak to an audience that's not being served um, or not being served in the way that they, they want to, to get the content uh, and could be very valuable. But I, I do think what Tim said there of, the benefit to the podcaster that you don't need to hit ridiculous numbers to get an enormous amount of value out of this. I got classes that I got to teach um, for sure. Speaking engagements have happened. I mean, it's absurd that the amount of, um, are you weight, speaking about podcasting now? Not about just podcasting, coming? just okay. the fact that I'm, <laughs> that I'm on a podcast, <laughs> the amount of weight that that holds you know, nobody's asking how many people are listening. What's your listenership before they, you know, when I say, Hey, do you want to sit down and talk? Cause I, I have this podcast. I'd love to interview you. It lets me get out there and speak to, you know, really cool people that are in startups, um, that I want to learn more about, uh, that that'll, that'll pass. Right. I mean, that's like people used to be like, Hey, I have a blog. And now I think the we're, we're, in a, we're in a transitional phase at some point. We'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a podcast. Every- I don't, I, I think that depends on the audience. Like you said, you, you've honed in this audience for a specific uh, space. And I think as long as I can maintain that, um, I'm speaking to digital marketers in, in the, that are actually in the space. I think people want to get their message out. And even if it's to a small audience, I don't know if, if that will well, pass. Well, as the, other, the, other, the other benefit is that if you start and it's very similar to other ones or other start that are very similar in the, the, in theory, the topics are covering, you get to develop like arch nemesis. So, you know, we've got, <laughs> we've got people. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So yeah, to, um, to put, to put a bow on this, I would, I, I would tend to, agree and michael sorry to sorry to cut you off um yeah time to time to time to put a bow on this it's so so weird so weird for him to be in the seat yeah. where yeah i'm trying not to do what i do on our podcast yeah wrap it up yeah. so i'm like Jacob, what you want to wrap it up <laughs> the biggest benefit out of this is that, is that michael's got to experience i just had a had a had a major brain fart and it's like one of those moments where you're you're about to speak and then your mind just uh just completely whack glosses over and you go and you go completely blank but one of the the thing that i was going to to say before i brain farted uh was that i i think having a podcast, you're right. It's like 10 years ago having a blog, but 10 years ago, people were reading blogs and now everybody's listening to podcasts and who knows what it's going to be 10 years from now. So if you have something to say, 
right now, this is the medium to do it. And in 10 years, it may not be the medium, but you, you, you've got to go where the medium is. And this is the, the way people consume content. Um, but I will say, like you said, add, uh, what did you say? Add three times to however much time you think it's going to take. Uh, yes, I can attest to, to that, especially if you're doing it by your, by yourself. Um, for me, the, the biggest challenge is I'm a, I'm a terrible project manager. So when you're doing an interview style format, the amount of time and, and precision that it requires to go and find and book and schedule guests and make sure that they show up on time and reschedule when they have to cancel, like that is stuff that honestly is making me pull my, my hair out. The, the, the real awesome part is when you are on and having the conversation, but you've got to know that like, it's like an iceberg. That's just the stuff above the surface. There's like 80% of stuff below the surface. So like, if you're going to start one, you got to take that part seriously and you've got to put yourself in a position to commit because if you start a podcast, like the idea is that you're going to create something that you're going to keep doing over the course of time. And like, if you're going to fizzle out after five episodes or six episodes, don't do it right. If you're not going to be able to commit to it, don't, don't do it. Don't even start it. Um, that would be my, my advice. So to, to now finally put a bow on, on this, uh, where can people find not on Facebook anymore? So <laughs> Or uh, analyticshour.io. That's right. Or at analyticshour on Twitter. Or search your favorite podcasting app for the digital analytics power hour. Or on the measure Slack. Or, oh, sorry. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and I'm... A table read. Sorry? Go ahead, Noah. Uh, it's Noah Omri Levin. O-M-R-I. Um, and that's at anchor.fm slash Omri 11 or on LinkedIn and Instagram. Yeah. And uh, this is again, it's Jacob Stoops. You can find me at jacobstoops.com forward slash page two podcast. Uh, same, same handle on anchor. You can find me at Jacob Stoops on Twitter. And in case you missed the beginning, we all work for search discovery. We work with a really smart people with really smart people. I can't promise that we're the smartest people that we work with. There are much smarter people working at search discovery. Come do business with us. Great company. Uh, very uh, proud that, that we could have this meeting of the, the minds. Thank you, Jake, for putting it together. Yeah. Thanks. Cool. Thanks guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Page 2 Podcast. If you like this podcast, you can listen and rate it on a number of platforms including Anchor.fm, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Applecast, Stitcher, Breaker, CastBox, and more. If you wish to support the growth of this podcast, please visit my website at jacobstoops.com forward slash page 2 podcast or anchor.fm forward slash page two podcast to make a donation would be greatly appreciated. If you're an SEO who would like to be interviewed, I'd love to have you simply send me an email at jake.stoops at gmail.com and we'll absolutely set something up until next time. Happy optimizing.